So it is winter. Welcome to winter. Oh my goodness, I was going to build an ark this morning. And um, I hope you started knitting your woolly undies because it is officially two and a half weeks into winter now. And um, I don't know if you've dodged the flu yet. Alan had the flu for a whole week. Heaps of people in the Tauranga location have had the flu. I was sick last week, but I thank God for online. You can watch online and you can listen to podcasts so you don't feel quite as lonely. But it's so cool to be here in the presence of God. Are you ready for the Word? Are you ready to take some notes? Oh, good, because when we take notes, we capture the thought, then we can apply the principle, and we can reap the benefit. Father, we pray you would speak to us today and change us by your word into your likeness. Lord, you've called us to be different to the world, to live different. We are set apart. We are the people of God. We've been called out. We are the ecclesia, the church. You're redeemed, the ones you've bought with your blood. And we thank you, Lord. You teach us how to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you are looking good today. Now, this topic today is so vital for each one of us. And if we don't put it into practice, we can actually stall in our growth in God. Without it, some believers have even come to a complete standstill in their Christian walk. And unless we face this thing and address it, it can be a huge obstacle for us. So my topic today is forgiveness. And my title is The Freedom of Forgiveness. The Freedom of Forgiveness. And we love forgiveness, don't we? We know Jesus took our place on the cross. We've been singing about it. He paid for our sin with his own blood. So now we're forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. What a feeling. What a great feeling. Don't you just love being forgiven? Except today, I'm actually talking about forgiving someone else who's hurt us. (laughs) Not quite as much of an exciting topic as that. And you know, I heard at Alpha the other week, we're loving doing Alpha. We've got six people from the B&I group who don't know the Lord, and one of them came at Easter, and then today another one came to church. I saw her as I was leaving, and then she brought her daughter who doesn't know the Lord, and they've all said yes to having a Bible. And then this week when we did prayer, they all, we went around the room and all of them prayed out loud for the first time, and then at the end of it, three of them were crying. God is moving in Alpha. I love Alpha. Anyway, this is what I heard of Alpha. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, said... Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. We've all got to learn to forgive quickly. You know, I know in a room full of people this size, we know there'll be some people who have been through huge pain, abuse, divorce, betrayal, and so they have a lot to forgive. Others may have only been through minimal pain. Maybe you haven't lived long yet, (laughs) And, and maybe you haven't had much to exercise much forgiveness yet. But at some stage in our lives, we will all be done wrong. We will all sing a somebody done me wrong song. Even in church, we'll be done wrong. Even by a Christian, even in a Christian school, even by a pastor. It's just a matter of time. Now, Often in church, we can have sky-high expectations or in a mission organization or an evangelistic organization or in a Christian school. We can think, oh, all these people here are Christians, so they'll be so nice to me all the time, and I'll never get hurt, and everyone will just love me all the time, and it'll just be like heaven on earth. Well, let me tell you, wherever there are people, there are going to be toes stepped on and offenses taken. So we all need to learn to forgive and forgive quickly. 
Now, today, I am not here to belittle your pain, but I do want to tell you, as I'm sure you know, forgiveness sets us free. And that's why Jesus tells us to do it so we can be free, because unforgiveness is a prison we lock ourselves in, not the other guy. And as long as we refuse to forgive, we are forever chained to that person who hurt us. You know, people get so easily offended these days, don't they? Social media and everything. I'm offended. You think something different to me. Bit of vitriol. I'm so glad I'm not on social media. I'll probably get into fights. Um, Forgiveness is such a liberating thing. It sets us free from that hurt, from that offense, from that person, from that pain forever. We know we need to forgive. Have you ever thought, oh, I've got to forgive, I'm a Christian. So you right, think, yeah, okay, I'm going to decide to forgive that person. But the more you think about them and what they did, the madder you get. And at the end, you end up more worked up about it than you ever were before you decided to forgive them. <laughs> We've got to give over all the emotions about it to God and just decide to forgive and let him help us do it. You know, if you're married, one of the things, hands up if you're married, Okay, lots of people. You're going to need to learn to forgive and you're going to need to do it often because otherwise your spouse will do something and you'll get annoyed. And if you don't forgive, there'll be days of stony silence and that's not how Jesus wants us to do marriage. He wants us to be quick to forgive. If Maybe you're, you're not married, but you live with your parents or your kids or flatmates, same deal. We have got to be quick to forgive. Decide, I am going to be a Christian who is quick to forgive. I am going to be a person. This is my identity. I'm going to be a person who is quick to forgive. Say it with me. I'm going to be quick to forgive. Say it again. I'm going to be quick to forgive. Say it to the person next to you. I'm going to be quick to forgive. Now say it to the person on the other side because I'm feeling left out right now. I'm going to be quick to forgive. Amen. Now, here's our first scripture on the screen. We've got a few scriptures today. Paul tells us in the New Testament, Colossians 3.13, Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I've got to remember that. The Lord forgave me, so I must forgive others. And Paul is teaching us here, forgiveness is what we as believers do when we're offended. It's what we do. It's an automatic response. In this age of opinions, in this social media age of offense, we automatically go to forgiveness. Because unforgiveness or offense is basically an emotional response to hurt. Now, we don't offend people on purpose. That's important. Because <laughs> if we do, they claim up and their heart becomes hard and their spirit closes to us. And the relationship is shut down and sometimes ended. But what happens is there's offense. We can take offense. Then... There's unforgiveness. We sit in that space of, I'm not going to forgive. That can actually lead to bitterness. And then that can lead to holding a grudge, which leads to hatred in our heart. This is not a nice process. I'll say it again. There's offense, then unforgiveness, then bitterness, resentment as well, then a grudge, 
then hatred. And these things can go on for generations. You see, this is how in some cultures there's tribal warfare and these tribes hate each other for centuries. They can't even remember why or what happened. Like in those clans in Scotland, I hate those McPhersons. And you know, they'll invite them all over for dinner and then when they're not looking, they'll stab them before the entree's finished. And, and they're like, yeah, in their kilts and eating haggis. But um, you know, we don't know how these things start. We've got to be quick to forgive. Offenses can sever friendships. Offenses and unforgiveness can poison our hearts. Offenses build walls between us. Offenses bring division and disunity in the body of Christ. They can even cause divorce and split families, even split churches. Offense is the number one tool, one of the number one tools used by the devil. Offense and unforgiveness. So what happens is when someone does something or says something to us that hurts us, whether it's deliberate or not, but we feel hurt, right at that moment, oh, I feel hurt. God releases grace to us in that moment. Grace is released by the Holy Spirit to us in that moment to forgive that person who just hurt us. But if we will not forgive others and show them grace, our hearts harden in that moment and we end up deciding to not forgive and we take an offense. This is why people often go from marriage to marriage, job to job, city to city, from church to church. They take offense after offense and hold grudge after grudge toward others. It is so vital we deal with these offenses straight away and forgive quickly. Otherwise, they become a stronghold of offense in our lives. Another thing we do is instead of um, doing the Matthew 18 principle that Jesus taught us on conflict resolution, if your brother or sister offends you, go to him, go to her and point it out and talk about it. We don't. We think, you're so mad, you've offended me. And we go off and we tell someone else. Call our mother, tell the girl in the checkout, in the supermarket, tell the hairdresser, tell our friend, tell somebody, all the wrong people. And then they take secondhand offence. Because remember, the grace from the Holy Spirit was released to me to, because I've been offended. But then if I tell others, they take secondhand offence my, for my sake because they love me and they want to support me. And then they've got no grace given to them by God because they're not even part of the picture. So we've got to be quick forgivers. Researchers cite a physiological reason for forgiveness. That is health. Let's talk about this for a moment. At Hope College in Michigan, USA, researchers measured heart rates, sweat rates, and other responses of subjects who were asked to remember their past hurts and grievances. So it's like a little experiment on what happens to our bodies and they, when we won't forgive. And they found that remembering the offense uh, when people offended them and hurt them in areas of unforgiveness in their life, they found that both their blood pressure and heart rates increased and their muscle tensions were higher. Their stress responses were greater as they recalled their unforgiveness and their offenses. So forgiveness is good for our health. Amen. Come on, everybody, our lives depend on this. We've got to be quick to forgive. Here's another scripture. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, this is the new living. Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's freaky right there. 
I don't know about you. I have a lot of, I, I had a big list of sins. <laughs> I need forgiveness. Now, earlier in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, back it up, back up the truck in verse 12. He said, forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. One commentary I read stated that the literal meaning there is, forgive us our sins in proportion to how much we forgive those who have sinned against us. So if we've received forgiveness from the Lord, we are obliged to also give it out. We can't just receive it and store it all up for ourselves and then not administer it to others. If we just receive it but not give it out, then our refusal to forgive can open the door of our hearts to bitterness and resentment. Here's a quote from William Barclay, that great Bible commentator from last century. He said, Human forgiveness and divine forgiveness are inextricably intercombined. I didn't know that was a word until I read it in this quote. Our forgiveness of our fellow men and God's forgiveness of us cannot be separated. They are interlinked and interdependent. Forgiveness is a two-way deal. Forgiveness is a two-way deal. This way and then this way. We've received it, we've got to give it out. Here's another quote from the Gospels, Mark 11. It's a similar one. Verse 25, 26, Jesus said, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Anyone. So he talked about a grudge. We see here that unforgiveness has a few friends. Bitterness, resentment, and holding a grudge. These things turn up and move in wherever unforgiveness resides. It's like they're flatmates. And they can be really bad for our health. Here's another quote from uh, Minerth and Maya. They wrote a book called How to Beat Burnout. So the authors talk about how resentment is far more responsible for burnout than overwork. Here's a quote that they said. In our counseling ministries, we've seen literally hundreds of examples that verify a close connection between bitterness and resentment and the experience of symptoms that we call burnout. Bitterness leads to burnout and freedom from bitterness is necessary for effective recovery from burnout. Wow. So here's a practical question. How do I know if I've really truly forgiven that person who hurt me? Because often we say, I forgive them, Lord. In fact, it's a really good practice. I know Pastor Phil Pringle does this every day in his quiet time. Lord, I forgive everyone, everything they've ever done to me. And he says it every day just to clean it out, you know, make sure. But how do we know if we've truly forgiven that person? Well, let's check our hearts here. I've got four little things. You can write them down. True forgiveness means, number one, we bear no malice to the one who hurt us. We bear no malice. Number two, we do not plot revenge. (laughs) No, we don't do that. Number three, we don't talk about the hurt over and over. And number four, we do not rejoice in their downfall. That attitude is condemned in the book of Proverbs and elsewhere in the Word. We bear no malice to the one who hurt us. We do not plot revenge. We don't talk about the hurt over and over. And we do not rejoice in their downfall. This is how we check our hearts. So the Lord is saying there is something for us to do. We need to actually do something. We need to firstly forgive others and then God can forgive us. There's a condition attached here. 
And there's conditions in a lot of the promises of, from the Lord in the Bible. We have to do something first. We have to obey him. Or we have to, whatever. Here, we have to forgive others. So if I want God to forgive me of all of my sins, and there were a lot, then I have to extend that same forgiveness to other people and give it out. But if we will not put things right with people, then we cannot put things right with God. Now, I'm going to read my main text here, Matthew 18. Verse 21 to 35, this is the parable of the unmerciful servant. And it's not on the screen, and I'm actually reading it in the NIV, I think. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Peter thought he was so holy. Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, seven times 70, or 77 times, it says other visions, 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents. Now that is a huge amount of money, one that most people could never, ever, ever repay in a lifetime. It's a lot of money. A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and kids and all he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. That was a small amount of money. An amount of money that could easily be repaid. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, same words, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had that poor man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. That means bad for all the young people. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So I'm going to read that again, that verse 34. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers. Other versions, King James, to the tormentors. The New King James, the torturers. The Living Bible, the torture chamber. They amplified the jailers and the torturers until he should pay back all he owed. So we see here that our duty of forgiveness is an urgent one because unforgiveness tortures us. And if we refuse to forgive other people who have hurt us, then we open the door in our life to the tormentors, to the torturers. This is a picture of the demonic realm. These are demons that we open ourselves up to if we will not forgive. Now, the rabbis taught you must forgive three times. And Peter said, oh, seven times? I'm so holy. But Jesus said 70 times seven, meaning there is no limit to our forgiveness. We have received vast amounts of forgiveness from Jesus. So now we have vast amounts of it to give out. 
because we have this never-ending supply. It flows to us with the grace of the Holy Spirit. It comes from God. It comes from Him, and He is never-ending. He is not a pie, a finite pie that you only have so many slices of. He is a river, and there's always more of God. He is eternal. We have been given, forgiven so much, and in comparison, what we forgive others of is so pitifully small. Do we really understand how much we have been forgiven? Do we really know what it cost Jesus? Do we really grasp what it is that He did for us? We were in darkness, but now we're in the light. We were following Satan's ways, but now we're on our way to heaven. We were on, sorry, but now we're following Jesus and we were even on our way to hell, but now we're on our way to heaven. The sin of humankind brought about the death of God's own son. That was my sin. That was your sin. And we have been forgiven a debt that we could never, ever repay. Not in this lifetime or the next. Let's not ever forget that. We're all debtors in debt to God. But he forgave it all and set us free. But it's not enough for us to just receive His forgiveness. We must experience His forgiveness in our hearts so it humbles us and softens our hearts and makes us gentle and loving and forgiving toward others. Now, we can never earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others. But once we have experienced God's forgiveness, we must show it to others. And the more we experience His forgiveness, the more we'll have a readiness to dish it out and forgive others. And I love how Jesus doesn't just tell us to forgive people. Forgive! Oh, that's not a Jesus voice. Forgive. (laughs) He helps us to do it. The Holy Spirit helps us to forgive. We have an ability to forgive others. He wouldn't tell us to do it if if we didn't have the ability to do it or if he wasn't going to help us to make sure we could do it. I really believe that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a huge key to forgiving others. Because he helps us to see them the way he sees them. Then we get God's perspective of them. Now, I haven't been through a divorce because I've been married to Alan, thank you, Lord, for 31 and a half years. But really, I have been through a divorce because my parents had a spectacular divorce when I was a teenager. And maybe you haven't been through a divorce, but if if you went through your parents' divorce, you have been through a divorce. And I tell you what, it gets ugly sometimes. <laughs> and me, as a pre-saved <laughs> teenager before Jesus, I hated one of my family members. Stuff had gone down in our family breakup that was really bad. And I was filled with hatred for this person. And I used to pray that this person would die. That was the extent of my prayer life. <laughs> it's a bit sad, really, isn't it? But then I met Jesus. And then I was forgiven of all my sins when I turned 19 and I was baptized in water and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then the Lord showed me this person in my family from his perspective. And I saw someone broken, someone incapable of giving the love I needed. So I stopped expecting the love and care I needed from that person and I looked to the Lord instead for all the love I needed. And with God's help, I chose to forgive that family member. I didn't say it to the person. I just said it to Jesus. I forgive so-and-so. And then the Holy Spirit filled me with his love and grace 
for that person. That over, he filled me up with love and grace and it overflowed through me to that person and God healed our relationship. And it's better today than it has been in over 35 years. Praise the Lord. He can heal things that no one else can. If we have bitterness in our hearts and an unforgiving spirit, we're actually erecting a barrier between us and the Lord. Because the language God speaks is love and forgiveness. And if we want to commune with God, we've got to learn to speak his language. He does not speak the language of unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. These three things shut us down spiritually. If we have any of these three things, which are sins, in our hearts, we must repent of them and turn away from them. Unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. We need to ask the Lord to cleanse us from them. Then the barrier will be removed and we can speak to God and he can speak to us. You know, we're each responsible to steward our own heart and keep it free from bitterness, from unforgiveness, from resentment. Now, forgiving someone does not mean we have to trust them again. The Lord's not telling you to put your hand back in the blender again. Forgiving someone, you know, it's, it's, we're foolish if, we, if we're being burned to put our hand back in that fire, and the Lord's not asking us to do that. But what it is, is forgiveness is surrendering the whole thing, the whole hurt, the whole ugly scenario to the Lord, and allowing Him to bring justice for you at the right time. It's actually a lordship issue. It actually comes down to trust. Because we all want justice, don't we? Lord, can I trust you to bring justice for me at the right time? Can I trust you to do what is right? Yes, I can. Because you are good and you do good, your word says in Psalm 119. And in Genesis, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So we actually need to surrender this whole deal and relinquish justice and vengeance to the Lord. Because it says in the Old and the New Testament about this, Deuteronomy 32, 35, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Not vengeance is fine, says the Lord. <laughs> and again in Romans, New Testament, Romans 12, 19, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We've got to leave it to God. We've got to trust Him in this. Now, here's some practical things about forgiving. Forgiveness does not mean you will be best friends with that person again. But it does mean if you see them and you're walking down the street, you don't have to go, oh, there's so-and-so. And you run into the nearest store and you hide in a rack of clothes and you stick your head out. Are they gone yet? And you realize you're a male and you're in a women's lingerie shop and your head's between the push-up bras. It's not a good look. Don't do that. That is called living in fear, not freedom. Forgiveness equals freedom, like my title says. Here's a word picture. Forgiveness is healing ointment. Keep applying it to that wound. So this is the wound. Keep applying forgiveness and the healing will come. Sometimes you have to say it every day for a while until you've worked through it and the Lord has helped you through it. Now we've all heard the phrase, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. It's not in the Bible, but we've heard a phrase and it's a good phrase. What this means was we don't completely forget the wrong done to us. We can still choose to recall it if we think back through the files in our brain and our memory into the past. But forgiveness does move the offense, the hurt, the wrong done to us out of the forefront of our minds so it doesn't dominate our thoughts and it puts it back into a file in your memory. It is no longer in charge of your mind 
And that's freedom right there. I've had people say to me, well, Eleanor, I've tried to forgive, but the feelings are just not coming. The feelings of forgiveness are not there. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision we make. It is an act of our will. We make a decision. I'm going to forgive Bill or whatever, Bobby. I'm going to forgive. We make a decision. You, it's, because otherwise it's like we have this IOU in our pocket. Ira, you did that to me. I remember. I write down your name and the date and your address. Keep it here. It's my IOU. You owe me. But forgiveness is getting that IOU out and tearing it up. You don't owe me anymore. The feelings will eventually follow. I've often heard forgiveness described like a train. Not the peace train like Cat Stevens said. It's this forgiveness train. And the engine is the decision. You start with a decision. I'm going to forgive. And then the carriages are the actions. And lastly, the caboose at the back are the feelings. The feelings follow the decision and the actions. The decision, I'm going to forgive, and then lastly, the feelings will follow. We may have to forgive that person several times. That's okay. Keep doing the right thing. Just say it in your mind. I forgive my brother. I forgive my ex-wife. I forgive my, my mum, my dad. It's not always appropriate to go and say it to their face. You know, I used to really hate you, Sean. Because you're so mean to me, but now by the grace of God, God has given me a love for you, which I wouldn't have apart from God. You know, that's not helpful. That's not going to help the relationship going forward. That was just, I was just using Sean as an example. He hasn't actually hit me. Sean's a good guy. This may not help your relationship. Just say it before the Lord. Lord, I forgive my dad. I forgive Bill. I forgive my ex-business partner. It may help to write it down like in a letter. Don't send it, shred it or burn it afterwards. But so often we don't even want to face this forgiveness question because it involves pain. But we have to revisit the pain in order to deal with it. Ignoring it is never a great strategy. This is what ignoring things that need forgiving is like. Ignoring that offense. It's like you're in a swimming pool and you've got this big beach ball. That's your unforgiveness, your offense. And you're trying to keep it under the surface of the water between your knees. You don't want anyone to see it. And you're like, unforgiveness me? No, (laughs) I don't have any. And you're trying to keep it hidden under the surface of the water. Offense, pain? No, no, I'm sweet. I'm sweet as. Now it actually takes considerable energy trying to daily hide that beach ball under the water. And eventually in an unsuspecting moment you will get tired and it will pop up for all to see there's my beach ball of unforgiveness and offence and pain that I said I didn't have exploding in front of everyone in dramatic fashion it takes a lot of energy to hide it it's not going to help us hiding it we've got to bring it to the Lord and deal with it if the bank could join me please I'm going to finish with a story this is a true story about Reverend Walter Everett. He pastored a Methodist church in Connecticut in the USA in the 80s. One night he got a phone call and he heard that his son, who was only 24, had been shot and killed the night before. Reverend Walter's anger towards the son's killer raged through him like a violent riptide, growing even worse when a plea bargain resulted in a reduced sentence for the attacker. Reverend Walter said this, my rage was affecting my entire life. 
How am I going to let go of this anger? I wondered. The answer came the first time I saw Mike, my son's murderer, almost a year after Scott's death. Mike stood in court prior to his sentencing, and he said he was truly sorry for what he had done. Three and a half weeks later, which was the first anniversary of Scott's death, I wrote a letter to Mike, the murderer. I told him about my anger, but then I wrote, having said all that, I want to thank you for what you said in court, and as hard as these words are for me to write, I forgive you. Reverend Walt said that was the hardest thing he had ever done. And then he continued to write of God's love in Jesus, and he invited to Mike, Mike to write back to him if he wanted. Three weeks later, Mike's letter arrived. Reverend Walt read it. Mike said that when he had read Walt's letter, he couldn't believe it because no one had ever said to him, I forgive you ever before. That night in his cell in jail, he knelt down beside his bunk and prayed for and received the forgiveness of Jesus in his life. They kept writing letters to each other. They started visiting. They talked about their growing relationship with the Lord, each of them. Later on, Reverend Walt spoke on Mike's behalf before a parole board and he was given an early release. In the early 90s, Reverend Walt got to be the officiating minister at Mike's wedding. Walter and Mike often speak together at universities and in churches about the power of forgiveness. When asked about his early release, Mike says, It felt good, but I was already out of prison. God had set me free when I asked for forgiveness. Let's stand this morning, shall we? You know, your barrier to spiritual growth right now may be, it may be, that you have not yet forgiven someone. Some, sometimes the someone we need to forgive can even be ourselves. Sometimes the someone we need to forgive can even be the Lord. Because if we're honest, we're disappointed in Him that what we thought He promised us maybe hasn't happened. If you have been thinking about a particular person for the last 25 minutes and their face is flashing through your mind and their name has been flashing through your mind it may be that God is speaking to you about forgiving that person and I want to ask you if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come out because I would love to stand with you and pray for you and Sean and I are going to pray for some people, other ministry team people, perhaps pastors John and Mary can come and pray as well because in these last days the Lord is calling us to run fast for Him And it's really hard to run fast for Him when we have chains and and things like that of unforgiveness around our feet and in our lives. And today is a day of freedom. And if you've had a face or a name, I want you to come now and stand with me as we worship because God has got freedom for you. I also want to encourage you to sign up and have a freedom prayer. We run those in Tauranga. They only take about an hour and there's no cost to it and you will find freedom there. And the Lord will speak to you afresh. I love it. I've had five of them. Have one every year. Let's worship God. If that's you, come now. Thank you, Lord.